0: Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 54 down through the second verse of chapter 8. So Acts chapter 7 verse 54. And we're going to talk about Stephen again tonight. Uh, we don't have a lot of scripture about Stephen. We're uh going to conclude with the last, and you're going to see why. Uh, we're going to talk tonight about Stephen, instant death, uh, instant uh, glory. Praise God for what we see in Stephen. I don't know how old Stephen was when he died. I don't think that Stephen had been a follower of Christ or a believer in Christ as the Messiah for a long time. Uh, I believe he was a reasonably new convert. He may have been a reasonably young man. We don't know exactly how old he was. I believe he was mature, but he didn't live a long life. But with his life, he taught us some great lessons in a very short while. And we're going to see those tonight as best we can. Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 54 When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. And he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Now notice the first two verses of chapter 8 with me. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Let's pray tonight. Lord, we need you tonight. We need your help. Lord, I need your help. Lord, as we examine this man's life, however short it may have been, may we get the lessons that he left. Lord, I pray you'd help us. Lord, meet the needs of every person here. Lord, I think of many that aren't able to be here tonight that would like to be. Lord, many that are watching via live stream this evening because they are dealing with health issues. Lord, I pray that you'd bless them during this time as well. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're going to do tonight in and through your word by your spirit. In your precious name we pray. Amen. The name Stephen we get in our English Bible from the name Stephanos. Which literally means a crown A crown We read of Stephen here in Acts chapter 7 And I, I believe we could say that One of the first Christian martyrs was Stephen One of the first, by the way, one of many thousands Even in the first century Who would die for their faith As Stephen's life would be taken In Acts chapter 22, i read for you very quickly. Acts 22 and verse number 20. The Bible tells us, And when the blood of the martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consented unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. That's a testimony of Saul. Saul said, I was there. I saw what happened. As his blood flowed down, I watched as Stephen's life was taken. His life ended suddenly. According to our standards, our earthly understanding of life and death, we would say it ended too soon. Tragically, it was over. Just a short while before Stephen was elected as one of those men that was uh, to be a deacon, a servant in the church in Jerusalem. We see that in Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 7. Stephen was a man full of the Holy Ghost, a man full of faith, a man that the church of Jerusalem said, we want to trust this man to meet the needs of those that have uh, needs in our church. He would fill those needs. We want him to serve in that capacity. We also see that Stephen would be zealous as an evangelist. Stephen wasn't a pastor. He he was a layman in the local church in Jerusalem, but he had a zeal for the Lord and a zeal to share his faith. And Stephen was testifying of what God had done for him. Chapter 7 speaks of his courage, records his defense of the gospel. And he spoke up for the gospel. He spoke up for Christ. And then we see the fury that erupted against him. I gotta tell you a funny story I just thought of. My dad was a football coach and a wrestling coach. After college, he was hired by a local high school to be the head football coach, a head wrestling coach at the Wahama High School, the Ohama White Falcons. And my mom would and me, I was little, I was just a baby, would go to watch. The football team the football team play if, if the home games and my grandmother my dad's mom would sometimes come and uh, maybe she picked us up I don't know how it all came about I know that at one of the games one of the home games that my grandmother was there my dad's mom and my mom was there and I was there I was I don't remember it I was a baby I was a babe in arms but I heard my mom tell the story. The, there was a lot of people there from the other team as well in the stands. and They were angry with my dad. And they were bad-mouthing my dad and cussing my dad in the stands. And I think the, their team was getting pummeled. and uh, The other team, the, the people there cheering were saying some pretty foul things about my dad. And my grandmother heard them. Brother Jim, my grandmother, grabbed her purse and went down the aisle and started swinging. She started a fight. And uh, she was going to kill those people for saying something about her son. I know one thing. I'd rather fought my dad than I would my grandmother back then. But she she was ready to tear them in half. My mom's trying to calm her down. Of course, she's holding me and trying to keep her mother-in-law from killing people. Uh, But the fury of my grandmother was coming out that night there at the football game. And I tell you the fury of these folks, it's almost hard to believe. You know, there are those that have a hard time believing Scripture, those that all, you know, you don't really believe that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. And I'll say, yeah, I even believe he spent three days and three nights there. Oh, come on. Why? Because the Bible says it. This is one of those passages that if the Bible didn't say that they went and began to chew on him with their teeth, I'd have a hard time believing that. I've seen people pretty mad. I've had people very mad at me uh, many, many times, and I have never had somebody come at me and try to bite me because they were that mad. But that's the kind of fury that came up here. So we read here the passage we just concluded. We read about the fighting against him. We read about his death. We read about his burial, those that made great lamentation over him. So Stephen's life's over down here. Now can I tell you that Stephen is alive and well in heaven? Can I tell you that one day I'm going to get to talk to him about that, that event and I'm going to get to see him one day. But his life down here was over, but the lessons he taught were not. And I want us to look at a few tonight. Uh, just two main veins of thought. Number one, I want to talk tonight about the, in general what we learn about the death of a Christian. This is just generally, this applies to every believer This should apply to you, it applies to me The death of a Christian uh, We just as uh, many of you may have heard or maybe did not know uh, The pastor, of course the president of Crown College But the sextant uh, just went to heaven a few days ago And the funeral was happening Of course a great, a great man of God, a great preacher uh, Passed away, it is in heaven His funeral is, is over, his work down here is done. Stephen's work was done, but we see some things about our death that we can learn from Stephen's life and death. As we think about that letter A, we learn from Stephen that the Christian should continue serving the Lord until his death. I remember Mrs. Marlene Evans Mrs. Evans was the wife of the president of our Bible college and she got cancer. And she was battling cancer and she wrote a book in the midst of battling cancer. And the title of the book, she's wrote many books, but the title of the book was I'm Gonna, I've Decided to Live Until I Die. Well, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal philosophy of life. We ought to be living and we ought to be serving the Lord until we die. Stephen just kept speaking for the Lord until he died. That's exactly what Stephen did. He was a laborer who died in the harness. He died pushing forward. He died serving his Lord and his Savior. We may have to change our form of service. There may be some things that we used to be able to do that we can't do anymore. When I was a young man, I used to be able to push my body three, four, five days without sleep. I shouldn't have done that, but I used to be able to do that. Uh, I can't do that anymore. Uh, a couple, two, three days, and I'm done. I, I, can't, I can't push it like I used to. Uh, and as we get older, our, what we can do physically may change. But that doesn't mean we should ever stop serving the Lord. Until we die, we should serve Him till our death. Letter B something we learn about our death as believers, uh, letter B, the Christian dies at God's appointed time and in God's established way. You know, when the devil came to God and said, hey, let me touch Job. Let me add him. And God said, I'll tell you what I'll let you do. You can touch everything, but you, can t- you can't kill him. Why? Because God had a plan for Job. God has a plan for you. you know the safest place to be is the center of God's will. Stephen said pastor, Stephen died exactly in line with God's plan. It was in line with God's permissive will, allowing his servant to be attacked and stoned. by the way, God makes no mistakes we were we had a, a few issues tonight we rarely have any here and miracle that we don't have more with as many moving pieces as we have in play or microphone was acting up we had a different song number on the screen very simple little things and we expect that why? because we all make mistakes but God doesn't God doesn't God never fails so whatever happens I can never look at God and say God you blew it God you failed The Bible is still true when it says that uh, everything works for his good. Uh, Very, very true there. Let her see. Let her see quickly tonight as we think about the death of a Christian, general thoughts from Stephen. The Christian's death often seems tragic and full of mystery. Or that last thought, it just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Let me get you to go back in time in your mind with me just for a moment. How many of you can at least vaguely remember taking algebra or pre-algebra in school? Can you remember that? You remember that, Brother Krem? That many years ago, you still remember. And now, Brother Krem loved algebra because that's you know his passion. But how many of you remember being terrified when you went into algebra class? You. Brother Bonnie still has, wakes up in a cold sweat at night and has to seek treatment for it. How many of you remember you went to algebra and your algebra teacher said, okay, today we're going to learn how to find X. And you said, man, I don't want to find my X. I got rid of her. I don't want to find her ever again. And you were confused. But remember when you went, I know 1 plus 1 is 2, but X, pl- what? You can't add a letter. That's stupid. That doesn't make sense. Anybody have that feeling when you, your first few days, weeks, years in algebra? I see that hand over there. It just that doesn't add up. As uh, Josh, as you would say, these maths they don't add up. It just didn't make sense. Can I tell you sometimes the death of a Christian? It doesn't make sense down here. I I don't understand why God would take such a zealous servant for Christ like Stephen the very beginning of the work of God going forth in Jerusalem and allow His life to pass. It doesn't make sense to me. But can I tell you that I don't have to understand what God does. I don't have to understand what God does. It could be said of Stephen's death. You know, he was such a fine Christian, a spirit-filled preacher. Uh, he was a soul winner in the prime of his life. God, why? Why? Would you take him? God, that doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense to me. A Christian, we need to realize that the death of Christians' deaths don't always make sense. We don't always understand it. Sometimes they're very short. James was beheaded, whereas Peter was delivered and lived to be an old man. Was it because James was a not as good a Christian as Peter, not at all. It was God's purpose. We see that some, by faith, the Bible tells us, were sawn asunder for their faith. And others, by faith, the same faith, escaped the edge of the sword. So, Pastor, I, that doesn't make sense to me. How is it by faith there were those that were killed, and by faith there were those that God spared? I don't have to understand. All I have to do is believe that God knows what he's doing. Letter D. As we think about the death of a Christian, the general thoughts here from Stephen. A Christian, when he dies, falls asleep. Falls asleep. We fall asleep and we wake in a place called heaven in the presence of our Savior. It says of Stephen there the Bible says he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice Lord lay not this sin of their charge and when he said this he fell asleep. The next thing is glory. The next thing is heaven. For that Christian who their end of their life the body Falls asleep, but not the soul, not the spirit. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I talked to Brother Ben Turner yesterday, and as I mentioned, Brother Ben was very much hoping to get to go to Brother Sexton's funeral. Of course, his health didn't allow him to do so. And I told Brother Ben, I said, that's okay. I said Brother Sexton wasn't at the funeral either and we joked about it. His body was there but he wasn't there. He had a great seat up on the balconies of heaven to be absent from the body present with the Lord. Letter E. General thoughts about the death of a Christian. A Christian receives dying grace when the time comes. Just as there is a Living grace for daily living. Can I tell you that God gives us grace? How many times have you said, have I said, well, oh, I couldn't go through what he's going through. I, I couldn't deal with what they're going through. I talked to a dear pastor friend this uh, just yesterday, and I said to him, I can't imagine you had to go through that. I don't know if I could go through that. I don't know how I would deal with that. Can I tell you the answer to that? Quandary that I had yesterday God gave him grace to go through that God gives us dying Grace Dying grace You know we So often think "Well, I can't face it I can't I could never go through I could never face What Stephen went through I can never face what many of the martyrs Have gone through through the ages But God gives us grace God gives us grace Letter F General thought here about Stephen's death, and as we apply it to our lives, a Christian's body, when he dies, requires careful love and attention. What should you think about this? You know, they, they didn't just, oh yeah, Stephen's dead. You know, just walk over the body, who cares about it? The Bible says they took him, they buried him. I'll tell you why I believe that is in scripture and I don't have time to do a deep Bible study tonight on it but the Bible of course speaks all throughout about the resurrection and even here in the beginning of the New Testament there were those who believed in the resurrection resurrected bodies there were those called the Sadducees a sect of religious people who the contention the split the schism that created that group called the Sadducees they didn't believe in the resurrection so that thought that uh, biblical doctrine was already in play even the believers in the early church in Jerusalem understood that one day we would be resurrected when we read about them taking the body of Stephen And burying that body, very much we have the picture of that seed being planted in the ground. That farmer planting the seed, expecting it to spring forth. And we see that here with Stephen. That care of of the body being planted because knowing that it would raise again. What a beautiful picture that is. We uh, turn actually to Philippians chapter 3. Hold your place there. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 21 Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is made even to subdue all things unto himself. Remember when Jesus went to the tomb outside. Lazarus' tomb. He's there with the family in the grieving community. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. What did the people say to Jesus before Jesus said, Roll the stone away? Lord, he, he, he stinketh. Lord, you don't want us to roll that stone away. Uh, he's corrupted. He's rotten. He's stinking. Now, Jesus rose from the dead, and it doesn't say anybody said, Oh, man. He stinks. He didn't stink. Why? Because he was risen from the dead. Now, I believe he was stinking. He was rotting in that tomb just as everybody understood he would be. But he was changed. He was resurrected. One day, our bodies, Stephen's body that was buried as they lamented over him, as they buried him, as they placed him in that tomb, that body that was placed has rotted. It is decayed. But I'm telling you, one day when the Lord returns, that body is going to rise again, uncorruptible. And we see that picture here. I love that picture of death not being the final, not being the end for a Christian, but rather uh, the planting to be risen, the body risen again. Letter G, the last thought about the general things for us as Christians in death. When a Christian dies, it means sorrow for those who are left. Now you understand we do not sorrow for that one who passes. I remember when I was at my grandmother's funeral, my mom's, my mom's mother, my other grandmother. When I was at the funeral home and I was standing there with my mother and his family was coming through and friends were coming through, probably two, three, four hundred people came through the funeral home that evening during the viewing. Almost every person that came through uh, made some kind of statement like, I'm so sorry. And I oftentimes would look at those that I knew, many, many family members and, and friends in the community in the area that I'd known since I was just a little boy. And I'd look at them and I say, I'm not sorry for her. <laughs> I said, I'm mad at her. Uh, I said, she's better off than we are. Now, that doesn't mean that although we do not grieve for them, for their condition with Christ. These were grieving, not because old oh, Stephen, he where is he at? That wasn't their grief. He's with the Lord. Their grief was, man, we miss Stephen. Boy, I'm gonna sure miss having Stephen here to serve in the local church together. I'm gonna miss those. I was thinking. Just a few weeks ago, I was going through some things and saw a message on my phone from Terry. Terry passed away about 13 and a half months ago now, I think. And I thought when I saw that, man, I miss Terry. I miss the messages I would get often. Hey, young man. I liked him calling me young man. That made me feel good. Praying for you. Hey, young man, that message was an encouragement. He was an encourager. I miss him. But he's in heaven. I, I don't grieve him. I grieve my missing him down here. And we see here there were those that made a great lamentation in verse 2 of chapter 8. They grieved. They, they were missing Stephen. They, they missed his presence. Everybody grieves differently. Can I encourage you to let people grieve the way that they're wired? Don't try to get people to act like you act. Don't expect people to react the way you react. And understand it's okay to grieve. We see a great lamentation, a great weeping and wailing was made the passing of Stephen. May we live in such a way that when we leave this place and go to heaven, that we leave those that miss us. Those that will grieve the fact that we're not in their presence anymore. I said I wanted to look at some general thoughts about the death of a Christian, but number two tonight, I want to talk about, in particular, let's zero in a little bit here on Stephen's death, the death of Stephen. I want you to see some very particular things about Stephen. Letter A, Stephen In his death, witness for the Lord. Even his death was his testimony. So pastor, how do you know that? Because later on in the book of Acts, we have a man named Saul or Paul who would say I I was holding the clothes of those that stoned him as I watched The blood of the martyr Stephen. I believe when Paul heard those words on that road that day as he was struck blind and he heard the word, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? I have no doubt that although Saul could not see physically, Saul had a vision of the bloody body of Stephen in the bottom of that pit. It was a testimony. A testimony to Paul. So even in death, Stephen was a witness. His words in verse 15 of chapter 6, it says, And all that sat in the council looked steadfast on him and saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. His witnessing was lit up with the life of Christ. Letter B, as we think about Stephen's death. In his death... Stephen was full of the Lord. In verse 55 of chapter 7, But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, standing on the right hand of God, he was full. Even in his death, he was occupied with the Lord under the control of the Holy Spirit until the moment that he transitioned from this world to the next. How many of you have ever flown in an airplane? You ever had a layover? I hate layovers. If I had my way, I'd never have a layover when I flew. I'd direct flight, get there, be done with it. That'd be nice, but that's not always possible. I fly to Ohio to visit my family maybe uh, sometime this year I'll fly down there I'm sure if I do I'll probably fly from Edmonton and I'll land in Denver or Minneapolis or please Lord not Toronto somewhere along the way and then I'll I'll have to wait and then I'll have to change planes and I'll fly from there to Columbus Ohio I'll be on that layover, just kind of a waiting period. I'm not. If I fly to Denver, if I stop in Denver on my way to Columbus, Ohio, I'm not going to Denver. Denver's not my destination. It just happens to be the place where I've gotta be and wait to get on the next plane to get where I'm going. Christian, can I tell you that this world is just our layover point on the way to heaven. This is not our destination. We're just on the way. And on the way, Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. He saw a glorious vision of the risen Lord. Imagine that. God literally opened his eyes to see Jesus and see the Father and see the throne, see heaven. Letter B, or letter C, excuse me. In his death, Stephen saw the Lord. When I was 19 years old, on my 19th birthday, or my, 20, my, my on my 19th birthday, my grandfather went in hospital. The next day, on my grandfather's birthday, his 83rd birthday, April 1st, I got on an airplane and I flew from Col- Chicago to Columbus, Ohio. And I went to the hospital where my grandfather was and I stayed with him. And early, well, not super early, about 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Resurrection Sunday in 1994, my grandfather went to heaven. Several times before he went to heaven, a couple days before, my grandfather would look up from his bed as I was there holding his hand. And it was very obvious that he saw something we couldn't see. He'd just look up and a big smile on his face. I love the fact that Stephen, even in death, God gave him a vision of himself. God allowed him to see he was there. Letter D. As we think about Stephen's death, in his death, Stephen... Pray to the Lord. In verse 59, it says, And they stoned Stephen. What was he doing? Calling upon God. Saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Did he pray? Sure did. He was on speaking terms with the Lord. He he could easily talk to the Lord. The Bible tells us in Psalm 50, and I'll turn there very quickly. In Psalm chapter 50 and verse 15. And call on me in the day of trouble. And I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. That's what Stephen did. Stephen called on the Lord. He prayed. He prayed as the Lord did in his dying hour, Lord, receive my spirit. Letter E. In his death, Stephen's whole trust was in the Lord. Stephen didn't hang on a little bit to the Lord and hang on a little bit to this and grab the hold of here and man, I got to hang on to all these things. Stephen hung everything he had. Stephen's only hope all his faith was on the Lord Jesus Christ there was no doubt about it Lord Jesus received my spirit by the way notice for those that like to pervert doctrine many false cults and false religions in our world that if they were true the prayer of Stephen would have had to have been something totally different it would have to be something like you know, you know calling out to Mary calling out to saints calling out to angels he didn't do that, why? because we're not supposed to talk to them or call out to them because only Jesus can hear and save we see plainly there was no ceremony there was no uh, last rites just Lord trust in you I'm trusting you all my faith letter F tonight as we think about the in particular the death of Stephen in his death Stephen was like the Lord how, how is that no resentment calm submissive Praying for his enemies just like Jesus. Think of that. Not fighting back. Rather he was like the Lord. I believe that's probably one of the most powerful testimonies of Stephen. One of the most powerful things in that short life that Stephen lived that he did. Is that he faced death, that horrible death, that martyrdom he went through. And he faced it with love in his heart for those that were dropping the stones. In his peripheral vision, he would have seen that man, that Pharisee of Pharisees, soul. There was no angry, hey, you dirty Pharisee. No. Forgive them, they know not what they do. He was like the Lord. Lastly, well, if we think about Stephen's death, Stephen was fruitful. He was fruitful for the Lord. Acts chapter 7, verse 58 said, And cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And I want you to look at verse 1 and verse 4 of chapter 8 as we close here. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. verse 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Can I tell you what the testimony of Stephen did? The testimony of Stephen lit the flames of evangelism. As those believers went out from Jerusalem, every person that left, as they went, wherever they went, they shared the gospel. The devil was trying to quash the gospel and trying to quash the flames and put out the flames of the great revival that was happening in Jerusalem. But all he did was run the flames farther away until literally they turned the world upside down. And part of that was a result of the faithfulness of Stephen. It's true, the statement made years ago, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The blood of Stephen fueled those early soul winners, those early Christians in the book of Philippians. I read and we'll close here, Philippians 1, 12. But I would that ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. What things? Who was it that God would use to pen these words? It was the Apostle Paul. Not a young man standing over the pit where Stephen was killed, but an old man near the end of his life after long years of service for Christ who had been beaten, whose body was broken who probably, many believe, had trouble even seeing letters. He had to look very close to even be able to read. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been whipped. He'd he'd gone through so much. And Paul said, all these things have fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. Christian, when we get a view that what God allows in our life, God can use for the furtherance of the gospel. It changes our perspective. Quick illustration. I'll close when I was a teenager or uh, elementary school. The principal of our school, his name is Jan Hannocks. He's an artist. and uh, he's no longer a principal. He's uh, retired, but he's still doing art. And I remember he was a phenomenal teacher, one of the best teachers. I've ever had I've had a lot of teachers in my life probably one of the greatest educators uh, that I've ever known was Jan Haddock's. and he had the privilege of being a principal of a very small country school and many of the students had learning disabilities and it was a difficult job but he did a phenomenal job phenomenal teacher And one thing that he would do off and on in his classroom, he, he taught the grade five and grade six students in one room. I went to a three-room school. That's how old I am. Miss Lois isn't here tonight. She went to a one-room school. I went to a three-room school. Jim went to probably a two or oh, three-room. So we're the same age, me and Jim. Uh, but the five and sixth grade class that he taught, he would take a chalk, not a pen, but a piece of chalk, and call a student up and give us the chalk and say, okay, I want you to draw or scribble whatever you want on that chalkboard. Make it as messy as whatever as you want. He said, when you're done, you give me the chalk. And I'm going to take what you've done, and I'm going to make it something better. So we would try to do things that there's no way you could make a picture out of something. I mean, scribbles and lines and you name it. Big smile on our face. (laughs) You can't do anything with this. And we'd hand Mr. Haddix the chalk. And the master artist would put the chalk in his hand. And I remember many times watching that dear man go up to that chalkboard with scribbles and lines and random things drawn by a 10 or 11-year-old child. And he would take and work those scribbles into a beautiful picture as we would set a bunch of hillbilly kids with our chins on the floor amazed that he could take our mess and make it something beautiful. Christian, when you learn that the master, artist, and creator of all things takes the pen of your life and he takes the mess that we see and he makes it beautiful for him he makes all things for his good Stephen tragic life but a tragic life that God took the pen of his life and made it into something beautiful and fruitful and fulfilling let's pray together Lord thank you Lord, for the beautiful picture we have of what our life should be and what our death should be. Lord, may we live as Stephen did. May we die as Stephen died. May we be fruitful in our living and fruitful in our death. Lord, may we trust you. May we believe in the words of Paul. That whatever happens falls out the furtherance of the gospel Lord if we have that kind of view our attitude changes Lord we love you Lord I pray that we can serve you for many 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 years if you tear your coming but Lord if your desire for us is to walk through that valley of death sooner than later Lord may we do it with your grace may we do it with your power and may we do it with your purpose of pointing others to Jesus. Bless us, Lord. Dismiss us with your grace. In your precious name we pray. Amen.